Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps of the Golden Girls. Today we are on Season 7, Episode 7, Dateline Miami, which originally aired on November 2nd of 1991. Let's learn briefly what happened in history on that day. If you want a full breakdown, you can head back to Season 1, Episode 7, which also aired on this exact same date. So uh, you can go check out a fuller description. So briefly in history, uh, on 19, in 1932, uh, one of the most hilarious events uh, in history occurs as the Great Emu War begins in Australia, in which Australian soldiers sought to call the emu population to crop destruction in Campion District in Western Australia. This does not end well for the Australian soldiers. Uh, and our most recent event, on November 2nd of 2018, a tiger thought to have killed 13 people is shot dead after a month-long hunt near Pandhawarkawada in India. Probably mispronounced that horribly, but, you know, I'll do the best I can. So, uh, that is our history for today. So, why don't you tell us what transpired in this installment of The Golden Girls. Alrighty, scene one. We're in the living room. Blanche and Rose and Sophia, they're reading... Dorothy enters and is singing, I'm in heaven. Dorothy has a date with Dr. Lee Kagan. All the girls know him, and Blanche is extremely jealous. Yes, but she wants to date him also. And I don't think we've ever heard of Dr. Kagan before. Dorothy leaves. Yes, the other girls talk about how Dr. Kagan must be a jerk since he didn't pick her up at the house. The date is at... La Verge, where jerks go. Yeah. Rose went there on a date once with the biggest jerk in the whole world. It was right after Charlie died. Rose had just moved to Miami. She was very vulnerable, and she did something that was dumb. She agreed to go on a blind date, and we get a flashback. Oh, not a clip. No, this is all new info here. Mm-hmm. Scene two. Burge. Yes, Rose enters with her date. They sit at a table. The guy says he is pretty dull and doesn't have much of a social life. Well, one lady customer that was sitting behind him at a table comes up to John and says they are through. John, uh, John tells Rose it was his sister. Yes. A very pregnant woman then comes up to him and calls him Alan. Yeah, and wonders why he isn't answering his, her phone calls. Well, he tells Rose that Alan is a nickname. Yes. Alan tells the lady that he hasn't yet graded her final exam, and she leaves. Yeah, so John and Alan tells Rose that he has had some bad relationships with women. You know, who hasn't? So now John and Alan wants the waiter. The waiter comes over and calls him Peter. And the waiter goes off a little bit and tells Peter to call him as he leaves. So yes, John Allen Peter says to Rose that he that he was just a poker buddy. Okay. Rose thinks she'll just take a cab. A different kind of poker. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Rose thinks she'll just take a cab home. And then John Patrick Anderson says he is just a regular guy. Two guys come to the table and ask if he is Shlomo Ziegler. Shlomo. Hey, okay. And he is. 
So he's under arrest for being the freeway flasher. And that flashback is over. <laughs> Scene three, we're back in the living room. Rose says he was no better on the second date. So even after all that, she goes out with him again. Uh, apparently, Dorothy has been on her date now for three hours. Boy, that was a long flashback. Then we get another flashback to a date that Rose and Blanche both had a few years back on New Year's Eve when Blanche brought two brothers back from the rusty anchor. Yes, so flashback, scene four, we're in the kitchen. We learn that Blanche was thrown out of the rusty anchor for mixing a margarita in a sailor's mouth. You would think the sailor was willing to do that. But Rose and Blanche bring some treats to the living room where the two guys are waiting on them. Blanche wants to be alone with Bob. So she gets Rose and Arnie to go out on the lanai. We then see Blanche wanting to make moves on Bob. But we learn that he is a priest. Then we see Rose and Arnie on the lanai. We learn that Arnie just recently lost his wife and thinks a good back rub would help. Back to Blanche and Bob. We learn that Bob left the priesthood four months ago, and this is his first date ever. And he has never been with a woman, and he hasn't even seen a naked lady. Oh, that brings out the artist in Blanche. It's back to Rose and Arnie. Rose is giving a back rub, then Rose holds Arnie. Yes. Now back to Blanche and Bob, and Blanche brings out a box of goodies for Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We go back and forth some more, and both couples break up, and the men leave, and Blanche misses getting her New Year's kiss and looks at Rose kind of longingly, and Rose tells her, no way. <laughs> uh, scene five, kitchen with the three girls, and it's now after 1 a.m. Dorothy still isn't back, and Sophia has a story about jerks. Picture it, Brooklyn, 1948. Sophia's friend's son was helping around the house. Yes, and now it's flashback time. Scene six, we're back in Brooklyn. Myron has finished stacking crates for Sophia. And Sophia wants to talk to him. He says he is not going out with Dorothy. Nope, Sophia says that Dorothy is spending too much time with this yutz named Zabornak. But he does agree to go out with Dorothy after getting some money from Sophia. And at this point, Dorothy and Stan, a young Stan, of course, enter. Myron asks Dorothy out. Then Dorothy uh, lets out the news that she is pregnant. Yep, the guy leaves, the guys all leave, and Dorothy and Sophia talk a while. And scene seven, we're back in the kitchen in regular time. Dorothy enters, tells about her date, and apparently it was awesome as this episode comes to an end. Well, we have a few references. Um, firstly, uh, to that song, Heaven, I'm in Heaven, which is a line from Cheek to Cheek, the song written by Irving Berlin in 1935 for the Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers film Top Hat. Uh, it was nominated for uh, the Best Song Oscar in 1936, but lost. Uh, it then spent five weeks at number one and was named the number one song of 1935. 
Uh, Stephen King is an American author of books that are marketed as horror, supernatural fiction, suspense, sci-fi, and fantasy uh, novels. Uh, Lauberge, uh, now I don't think this is the one they referred to, but the only ref, the only uh, restaurant I could find <laughs> named Lauberge uh, is a defunct restaurant now uh, that was located in the Netherlands. Uh, it was it had a it had one Michelin star from 1986 to 91 and two Michelin stars from 92 to 2000. It then closed in uh, 1999 uh, due to bankruptcy. So that's the only restaurant called Lauberge I could find. Uh, okay. uh, but I know that's not the one they mean, obviously. So uh, No, it shouldn't be. Uh, then Galinda, uh, the Good Witch of the North, is how she's referred to in this episode, which is uh, factually incorrect, as they would be referring to Glinda, the Good Witch of the South. Uh, who is a fictional character from the Oz novels, uh, first appears in the first book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and is the most powerful sorceress in the land, ruler of the Quadling country south of the Emerald City, and protector of Princess Ozma. Now, in the uh, MGM film version of 1939, she is called the Good Witch of the North there, uh, so that would be pretty much what they mean uh, as, you know, they had to change stuff so they could have their own copyright uh, that they can hold, basically. So that's technically what they're referring to is the version of Glinda from the movie, not the book Glinda. Um, and then a fat farm uh, is a weight loss camp where people who are overweight or obese go to lose weight through exercise and lifestyle changes. And then I think Rose uh, brings up the topic of white slavery. So, okay. this could refer to one of two things. Either the historical practice of Middle Eastern countries raiding European countries and enslaving their uh, peoples, uh, or in the more of this time context of essentially sex slavery, uh, basically. So that's pretty much what they're uh, discussing there is being sold into sex slavery. That was Sophia that brought that up. Sophia did. Yes, because uh, Dorothy, in the second after the second one, that she was back not before one o'clock. It was after one a.m. Dorothy wasn't home, and she said, "I guess Dr. Kagan's turning out to be wonderful, or maybe he drugged her and sold her into white slavery." Hmm. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that was Sophia. Oh, your little script doesn't tell us who any of the characters are. It just has. Oh the... no, that was Blanche probably that said that. Or Rose. Yeah, it might have been Rose. Might have been Blanche. Rose. Okay, that's what I thought. Because then Blanche, uh, then Dorothy, uh, then Sophia says, "Well, either way, I'm glad she's out of the house." Oh, okay. I know Sophia said that line. Okay, so yeah, was pro that so that's uh, referring to sex slavery there. Yes. So. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. Uh, so we have a, quite a few side characters. Um, firstly, John or Alan or Peter or Shlomo, or the Freeway Flasher, uh, played by Pat Harrington Jr., uh, known for his work on One Day at a Time. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents The Man from Uncle and Move Over Darling. 
uh, a one-time Emmy winner uh, in 1984 for supporting actor in a comedy for his role on One Day at a Time. Uh, John's girlfriend slash wife, uh, played by Mae Quigley, uh, known for her work in Regarding Henry, Bella, Gremlins 2, and The Red Door. Uh, then Susan, the pregnant woman at the restaurant, is played by Margaret Reed, uh, known for uh, being in... Uh, let's see, an episode of Pose from this year. Uh, she was also in The Americans briefly, The Blacklist, uh, By the Dashboard Light, uh, Mildred Pierce, uh, all briefly there. Then The Waiter slash John's Boyfriend was played by Nick Allette, uh, known for Hook, uh, uh, then acting, um, Cooper Barrett's Guide to Surviving Life, uh, and Smooch, uh, also known for his writing work uh, all in the 60s uh, on two shows called Playboy After Dark and Music Scene. He also did soundtrack work on something called, on a Richard Pryor film, Dynamite Chicken. Okay. Uh, the cop that comes to arrest uh, the Freeway Flasher is played by Stan Roth, who uh, has been on here before uh, two other times. Uh, known for his work in Steve Jobs, The Bicyclist, and Empty Nest alongside this. Uh, then, let's see. Um, oh, I may have skipped one somewhere. Uh-oh. Or I have these out of order. That could be... Uh, yeah, that could be... Okay, so... I got five left, and I got five here. Hmm. I skipped one somewhere. Uh, what's this role? Golden Girls. Okay, I skipped a role somewhere. Someone has a link, and I don't know what they role they were in. Um, okay. Oh, okay, so there's two characters named Arnie, apparently, in this episode. I don't know who this one is. Two named Arnie? Apparently. So this Arnie is played by Lenny Wolp, uh, known for After Forever, Martin, Sisters, and Baby Talk. Then the other Arnie, which is the pre-slash-virgin, is Fred Willard. So yes. I know that. So yes. uh, it's Fred Willard. Uh, known for, well, I mean, a lot of things. Um, Best in Show, Anchorman, Harold and Kumar, Wally. Uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, Modern Family, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on here for 20 minutes if you wanted, but I won't. Um, could the other Arnie be the waiter? No, I already talked about the waiter. Okay. So I don't know who it is. Um, so Fred Willard uh, nominated for four Emmys in his career. Uh, in 2003, four and five, a guest actor in a comedy for his role of Hank on Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, and then in 2010, nominated in the same category, guest actor in a comedy uh, for his role of Frank Dunphy on Modern Family. 
so that's him very briefly, of course. Uh, then Bob, whose wife is at a fat farm in Saris. Oh! No, I see what they did now. Okay, so that uh, first oh, army Rose. is... Okay, so I must have their names mixed up. Oh, I think it was with Rose. Okay, so I must have their names mixed up. Okay. okay. So, all right. So this is Myron, who stacks some boxes for Sophia. Okay. Uh, is played by Jesse Dabson, uh, known for his roles in uh, a movie called Elvis, uh, also Alienator, Little Sister, and Death Wish 4. Then Young Dorothy, played by Lenny Green, uh, once again, uh, known for her acting work in, well, pretty much this, but also Law and Order for an episode, uh, Over the Brooklyn Bridge, and On Our Own, uh, mostly known for her work as a producer on shows such as Stark Raving Mad, Nip Tuck, Boss, uh, and Masters of Sex. And then lastly, Young Stan, is played by Richard Tanner, uh, known for uh, The Addams Family, Spanners, Timeshare, and most recently this year, he appeared in an episode of a TV show called Solve, which I don't know what that show is, but huh. he was in that from this year. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure. What is that? Huh. Solve. Uh, it has 217 episodes. Jeez. Okay. Holy cow. Um, I see. Well. Huh. I don't know what this is. Looks like a crime show of some kind. Hmm. Since, let's see. The next episode set to air is the male stripper murder. That sounds pretty interesting by the title. Anyway. Um, so, two new sex partners established. An unnamed crossing guard on a Tuesday morning for Blanche. And then Dr. Lee Kagan, who was too exhausted to walk Dorothy to the door uh, for Dorothy. So the tally stands Blanche 167, Sophia 11, Dorothy 11, and Rose 8. Yes. Well, I will discuss that for a second. The too exhausted to walk her to the door. Okay. Well, first off, in the first scene... Dorothy is going to take a car and meet him at the restaurant. Because they say, who would not pick you up at the door, etc. So, why would he drive her back, or why would he even come back to the house with her in the first place? So uh -huh. there's no way he would be walking her to the door. I mean, uh... <laughs> okay, well, I had forgotten that point, so I... So I think I don't... I'm sure they forgot it, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that's... <laughs> I just thought when I saw that at the end, it was like, well, he didn't even pick her up, so why would he bring her back? Or maybe they went to his house or hotel or something, and then she left the car there, and he was supposed to drive her back? I, I don't know why, but... Anyway, this, to me, was a... Uh, I'll get that down to there in, the, in my rating. So my mm. episode counts. 
We had a Oh, okay. So this Solve TV show, to get back to this, oh, okay. that I was confused about. Uh, so this is a bi-weekly uh, show on Snapchat uh, with new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday at 7 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, uh, which dramatizes a murder and allows viewers to play the role of detective to vote on who they think the killer is after seeing all of the evidence before the real culprit is revealed later. Huh. Okay. Each episode runs three to four minutes. Okay. Huh. That sounds interesting okay. in concept. Uh, anyway. Runs three to four minutes. That's all. Yes. All righty. I had one picture at Story, and there was a Stan the Bornack appearance. Yes, but it was not her battlement. But no, this was a young dude, was uh, young. which was very interesting because I was like, okay, they're gonna make him look like awful, right? And then this dude walks in, and it's like, oh, yes, okay, he's not too bad, okay, yeah, he's not too bad. No, what okay. were they complaining about? Yeah, <laughs> I know that was that was like my only real thought on this whole episode was like, Stan didn't look too bad. No, <laughs> huh. uh, of course that could have been Sophia's memory. Well. Uh, <laughs> Total counts. Weddings, planned weddings at 11. Physical abuse arose 15. St. Olaf stories 46. Picture at stories 26. Cheesecakes eaten 19. Sicily Italian stories 9. Sicily Italian references 59. Girls mad at each other, not best friends, moving out 26 times. Sports 32. Games 45. <clears throat> Stanley's The Bornack appearance is 23. And my rating for this, I think we're... Eh, hitting the bottom of the barrel here almost. And to me, this is a glimpse into what the Golden Palace would be like because Dorothy was barely in this episode. And you get those three other girls, and that's mostly the Golden Palace, kind of. Um, well, no, I will say I, I watched a few episodes of the Golden Palace because I thought we were going to cover it on the show here after we read up the Golden Girls, then we decided not to. So I watched a few episodes, and I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's about the same as this whole show. I mean, there's not really much of a difference. Yeah, uh, except no Dorothy. Well, which isn't much of a difference, really, uh, in, how they're, in how the show is working, because they have, which blindsided me, and I thought I was having a stroke in the first episode, um, Don Cheadle is in it, and so he's basically Dorothy now. It's really wild. Oh, really? Yeah, Don Cheadle is like the the hotel clerk or whatever. Okay. And he essentially does the Dorothy role. Oh, okay. And it's really weird. I see. It was very bizarre, too, going, wait, Don Cheadle is in this? Wait a minute, what? Huh. <laughs> but, well, they're just yeah, going was... to recommend this episode. I gave it a 59 out of 100. Oh, okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Clyde TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until that next episode, uh, goodbye.